This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Goonatal. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is the Arsenal Transfer Show. Joining you every single morning at 8am UK time. Thank you so much as always for joining me and for supporting the channel. It means everything and uh, I hope indeed that you've had a good week so far as well. Jumping into the chat box, we'll say those that are joining us live. Good morning to you, to Matt G, to Jose, to Derek, Kaiser, Dave. We've got Dominic and Rich and Maximius runs with Cows, Josh, Amira, Kish, old Dave, Marcus, Martin, uh, Wilson, Stevie, Pam, Glenn, Shari, Damien. Thank you so much, everybody, as always, uh, for tuning in. It is always appreciated. Uh, and to plenty more of you as well, joining in at the, uh, the turn of the hour as well. So thank you for that um we're going to be running through what is uh it's quite a smaller one actually uh, in terms of our news i may stick around a little bit longer it's my day off so i'm i'm keen for a chat uh i had an article go out yesterday that caused a bit of a stir we might talk about that in part two you probably saw me relatively active um semi debating semi laughing <laughs> on social media yesterday uh we might get into that and a little bit more um to in part two so i look forward to that but uh do drop a like do subscribe to the channel if you're new around here with those notifications turned on so you never miss a show right we kick off with a report from mundo deportivo now arsenal of course as we know are very keen on the spanish international midfielder martin Zubamendi, a fantastic defensive midfielder that has been likened to a regen of Sergio Busquets, if you like, and even so much so that Barcelona have been one of the teams very interested. Now, he has a release clause in that deal of around 45 to 50 million pounds, and uh, Arsenal are keen on, on doing this deal, but not in January. If they were to do this deal, it would, of course, be in the summer. Um, but there is suggestions from Spanish outlet Mundo Deportivo that, indeed, there might be scope for um, him to leave not in this win- not in the summer window, but instead, actually, he could be out the door in January if, indeed, the clubs, and there are plenty of them that are interested in Zubamendi, decide to step up that interest. And there are 
a lot of teams. Real Madrid, uh, Bayern Munich, Barcelona. I'm aware that a number of Premier League teams are also looking at the player. Um, but Arsenal will hope that indeed he will remain with Sociedad until at least the summer um, where they are hoping to be able to come to an agreement with the player about a potential deal. There is suggestions that Arsenal are the most keen or have been the most vocal or perhaps just the team that we most know uh, or we know the most about rather uh, regarding their interest. But Martin Zimamendi, not necessarily just a player that could leave um, during the summer. There is scope according to outlets in Spain that indeed we might see him leave the club this winter. Moving to our next story, a loose one. Um, I wouldn't get your hopes up about this if even it, get, it did get your hopes up. Um, Borja Moyaral, uh, the Hatafe striker, has been linked uh, for with a £22 million deal. This is called to Steve Brenner. Um, the suggestions were last night that Arsenal had made a £22 million bid, let alone just interest that they went as far as saying that Arsenal had actually made a bid that has now been rejected um, by Hatafe and that there is ex- expectations that they would like instead closer to £39 million uh, for the player. I don't know where this has come from. <laughs> I have absolutely no idea. My understanding was that Arsenal would need to sell before putting any kind of bid really uh, in for a player and there hasn't been any context surrounding Eddie Nketiah's potential exit. He is a decent centre-forward. Um, he's a well-travelled uh, centre-forward, that's for sure, as well. Uh, he's a player that has been playing at the likes of Real Madrid, of course, in the past. He's played with Roma. He's got plenty of Champions League uh, experience. And so because of that, it perhaps makes sense that there is some interest from some of the top teams. He's 26 years of age. He's got 12 goals in 19 La Liga games this season. But I, I can't. I, I can't see why this would why why this would happen. Um, it has, I think I saw in the chat box, I want to give credit to whoever it was um, who said it, but someone said that this has something of the the Lucas Perez about it, which you can't help but kind of have those same feelings, can you? You do get the Lucas Perez. Uh, Nick, uh, Nick Cranham says it's got the Lucas Perez vibes written all over it. Uh, Temi saying as well, the new Lucas Perez, indeed it does does kind of feel that way, doesn't it? He In 150 La Liga games um, in his career, he has uh, 40 goals and 10 assists. He did play in Serie A for a season with Roma. He's got 10 goals and 36 Serie A games. Um, he's never really been a prolific centre-forward. Um, he's a decent player, but I mean, if you want to have a discussion about the striker that Arsenal should be looking to bring in, it's not this guy. But I do want to stress that it's my feeling that I'm not sure that there is too much in this one at all. I could be wrong, but I don't think there's too much in this whatsoever, to be honest. Um, and uh, Fuad saying what's funny is that apparently has a 20 million release clause as well. I haven't, I don't know that. Uh, that might be true. Uh, if it is true, then that's quite a funny story. Anyway, uh, our headline story of the day, I told you there wasn't much to talk about. Um, our headline story today is Thomas Partey. And it's really big news, actually, because John Cross of the Mirror is suggesting that he is expected to return this month. 
Um, he's expected to get back into the Arsenal squad and that he could even be ready for the trip to Forest at the end of this month, which would be a massive benefit to Arsenal and to Mikel Arteta and to Arsenal's chances of, of course, uh, beating Liverpool. They will return, well, they have part of that for Forest, which is the game before they face Liverpool. So that'd be a really good opportunity to get him back and get some minutes under his belt before that game, if possible. Um, so this is obviously really good news. Um, I don't know. We heard from Chris Uton that Garner had obviously not called him up for the AFCON because they felt as though the injury needed to be kind of, he needed the recovery and the rest and it wasn't to Garner's uh, benefit to have him back. I don't know if that there is any conflict there. I'd be surprised if there was, but uh, let's, let's see if this does indeed develop as the way in which John Cross is expecting it to with him returning. Uh, towards the end of this month. That would be great to see him back. And then if he's available for the Liverpool game, that'd be a massive, massive boost, especially considering they have their own um, concerns about players that they might have available for that game on the 4th of February. So, yeah, really good news if, indeed, it turns out that this is the case. Right, let's move to part two then and your questions and more right after this. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, um, let's go into the chat, shall we, and tackle some of these comments. First of all, Marcus, thank you so much for the kind super chat. Please, could you wish my youngest, Aoife, a happy birthday as she becomes a teenager today? I hope to get her back to the Emirates very soon. Of course, Marcus. Aoife, have a fantastic day. Uh, you've got a great dad here, Marcus. He's a fantastic guy. I've met him at one of our live events, and uh, uh, you're very lucky indeed. So I hope you have a fantastic day. And uh, wish all the best. And uh, yeah, teenage teenagers, they are some of the craziest of your life. Enjoy them while they last because they will go by in a flash. Uh, Gary says he should never have gone to the USA for the friendlies and Arsenal are right to part the resistance for him to go to the African Cup of Nations. And the hope will be that he's fit later in the competition. That's Thomas Partey, of course. Brian, though, is saying if Partey gets injured one more time, He's not going to be very happy, clearly. Uh, Cole says, Anana should have been bought instead of Havertz. No point now. We need a solid eight who can defend, create, and score chances. If, I mean, would have, should have, could have, I guess. It's it's revisionary, but we deal with what we've got now. We move forward with it. Uh, Tom says, I don't know enough about Moyaral, um, but I doubt he's an upgrade or an even an injured, uh, on even an injured Jesus. But is he better than Eddie? I'd, I'd suggest he is better than, than Eddie and Ketia, yes, but... Uh, uh, not like considerably. Um, it's it's difficult because obviously he's never really played outside of uh, outside of Spain and, and Italy. Um, so it's difficult to get a grasp of 
of really what he's doing, but I, I think it'd be pretty close to be them to, between them. To be honest, I'm looking at his um, his stats on FB Ref, and then they're, they're not better than Enketia. So I, I think it, we just assume that most players are better than Enketia, Enketia and actually in reality they're they're not. So I'm actually going to do a U-turn on that and say no, um, he's he's not. Uh, Tom uh, Max says, Tom, are you up for a game of golf in Australia? I mean, I would be, but I'm not there. So <laughs> I haven't played golf in so long. We've not had the weather for it. It's been far, far too cold, but I do need to get back into it as well. Uh, Dano says, Tom, you brushed aside the Xerxes based on Nketiah's contribution. Xerxes is a six foot four version of Jesus, a striker who at the age of 22 slots into our false nine with the ability to develop into it's all the reason why I've kind of skirted by Xerxes is a number of reasons. Um, for instance, his his goal, um, his goal, his goal scoring, which, if we're honest, is the thing that we really need um, right now. Let me read you the stats. I'm happy to do that. Non-penalty goals per ninety, 0.29 for Xerxes, 0.41 for Enketia. Non-penalty XG for Enketia, 0.54, 0.26 for Xerxes. Um, in terms of shots, 3.18 per 90, 2.65 for Enketia, uh, for um, Xerxes, sorry. Assists, uh, Enketia has 0.1, uh, Xerxes has 0.12, so only slightly, 0.02 better. Um, and uh, he's, he's more creative, Xerxes, but I'm sorry. I, if Arsenal are going into the market to sign a centre-forward, it needs to be someone great. I want to see someone come in that really pushes the needle, you know, and it's not, it's brushing aside players. Yes, I guess, if you want to call it that, but I'm brushing aside players that I think just aren't of the level that I think we need to go to, to bring in somebody to really take us forward. Could Xerxes develop into a player that does that? Maybe. Am I being too quick? Maybe. But at the end of the day, I have to go off on what I'm seeing. And Dano says he plays for Bologna. Sure. He plays for Bologna, but I can only go off what I'm looking at. And I've seen a number of players play for smaller clubs on the continent, putting far better attacking numbers than that. So, you know, it's it's very difficult to, to be jumping on the bandwagon of, of Xerxes when the numbers are as they are. Um, and that's why I'm I'm not as keen as, as yourself and, and other people, which is fine. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. Um, Constantinos uh, says, hi, Tom, is it worth investing in a centre-forward not proven at Premier League level? I think we should go for a world-class striker in the summer. I, I think, personally, if you can get a world-class striker, that should be the absolute number one priority this summer going forwards. If you can't get that, we should be looking for a striker that is already putting in good numbers at a younger age that has a really high ceiling. But they need to be putting in good goal-scoring numbers for me to make that deal make sense. Now, you can get into a Hoyland situation, but I think there is something to do that with, with Manchester United more than the player. I think Hoyland at Atalanta uh, was, was very, very good. Um, but he's moved to Man United where it has been an absolute mess there. So I think that's probably had something to do with, with his struggles more than the player individually. Um, Gary says, Tom, given the state of the market for a centre-forward value for money, do we now go and buy an established striker or try and unearth the next big thing as Leverkusen did with Boniface or Leipzig did with Openda? And I think that is, again, it's, it depends on what is available, Gary. If you can't get the Ozimans of this world, if you can't get the Ozimans of this world, then the next best option is to go for a young, budding but exciting goal-scoring centre-forward. Um, and Boniface uh, is, is certainly one of those, although he's, he is injured at the moment. Uh, Jonathan says, Hi, Tom. 3am here in New York. My dream summer signing in the full position would be Raphael 
Liao. He's, he's more of a wide forward than a centre forward, but that's not to say that he wouldn't be a, an excellent addition to the squad. You know, he can play centre forward, of course, as well. He has, I think, only just signed a new deal with Milan, though, so it's going to be very expensive, and I'm not sure whether or not it would be um, an accessible deal for us, but who knows? Maybe it would. Uh, let's go to Radicio, who says, Tom, how about someone like Victor Goyacarez? Um, which I, I know I butcher the pronunciation every single time. Um, he was the championship last season and is performing very well in the uh, in the Portuguese league. He has. Yeah, and I think that's the type of profile that you probably look at. You know, he's, what, 25 years of age, is kind of a good age profile. You look at his stats, they're, they're excellent. He's in the 80th percentile of non-penalty goals. Um, 99th for assists for centre forwards. 0.47 assists per 90 is fantastic for a centre forward. He's in the 98th percentile for shot creating actions. 4.76 shot creating actions per game. Excellent. So, without a doubt, Goyacadez is, is up there with, with the suggestions that I think are very, very fair for what Arsenal should be looking for in a, in a centre forward. So, yeah, Goyacadez would be. Uh, I think a smart move, if indeed it was possible. Um, Clive says, hi, Tom. Barring an injury to Raya, do you think that Ramsdale has potentially played his last game for Arsenal? Did feel that we were more secure with him on Sunday, but I don't see what he can do. And I do agree. I think that probably may have been, unless there is an injury to Raya, his last game in an Arsenal shirt, which is really sad. Um, I don't think he deserves to, to, to lose his place to Raya. I don't think he deserves to be replaced by Raya. I think this was a a situation that did not need to be created. Um, I find it really funny because there's times throughout the season where I've said, I think Raya is a slightly better goalkeeper, been battered for that opinion. And then when I turn around and say that I don't think Raya has done enough though, um, and Ramsdale, I think, deserve the place. I get people saying, oh, it's because you're English. you got English bias. And it's just like, it's so frustrating that people don't obviously listen to the bigger picture. If you need, if you're listening to this and think, "Oh, Tom's got that that bias," well, just just understand that I think Raya is a slightly better, slightly better keeper. I don't think it's like a nailed on. I think it's really a, debatable between the two. It is very close, and I just think that it's a needless situation that we have created for ourselves with 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 that one, which is really, really frustrating. Um, and I think, yeah, was was has ended up being a bit of a. Uh, a needless situation. Uh, and says, Tom, although disappointed, I won't be pressing the panic button if we sign no one. It's better to wait for quality than just fill a space. And, and you're right, it is. I will be disappointed if we can't do anything in the window. Of course I will be, because I think it was, I think doing something in this window would be really beneficial. That's why I'd be disappointed. However, I absolutely get it if we don't, because as we've been talking about, there are really big reasons as to why we aren't doing business in the window at the moment that's because we are facing these restrictions um we are facing these uh, these profit and sustainability rules which which stop us from being able to invest in in the right players it's all well and good just pining for a signing but as well you can't just bring in anyone for the sake of it you need to make sure that they are the right player um paul says hi tom did you see that we record a young striker alone in scotland what could be the implications i you're talking about mika Bireth. Uh, however it is I, as far as i'm aware we have not record him um we have not recalled Mika Biereth um he will be back with Motherwell for the rest of this season is, is my understanding of this situation so no Paul uh, we have not uh recalled Mika Biereth to to the squad uh Eamon says hi Tom do we have a promising young striker coming up through the reserves only ones in the really younger age brackets um we've got the is it Chido Obi Martin um that scored like 
how many goals it was, something like 10 goals or something against the Liverpool youth team for the under-16s. But again, that's that's very young. So not really under under-21s. I don't think we have a striker that is is looking like they're coming up in that position. But speaking of um, speaking of the youth team, <laughs> I did a piece yesterday. Actually, I did a piece two days ago, but I tweeted it yesterday morning um, that has caused quite a stir um, amongst uh, the Arsenal fan base. You may have seen it. You may not have seen it if you're on Twitter yesterday. Um, but the the, the 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 piece is, I'll show it to you. I've, let me uh, zoom in on the on the tweet. You can go and read it, of course, on the Football London website if you would ever indeed like to to go and do that. But uh, this is the uh, I can't scroll down, and the reason why I can't scroll down is because some of the comments <laughs> to this piece is absolutely mad. <laughs> I can read you some. I can't put them on the screen. Um, but this is the piece. So I did a whole piece about because we've had some discussions about Arteta and his and the youth and if Arteta could be better at using youth players, right? Um, that's been an argument that we've discussed, we've talked about. Could Arteta be better? And some people believe that he's terrible with it. Some people believe that categorically, Arteta doesn't give youth a chance. This may have been something you've seen. It may have been something you've said or thought. The words, Arteta doesn't give youth a chance. And I sat reading these comments thinking, I don't think this is true. I don't think it's true that Arteta doesn't give youth a chance. I also think there's some really big misconceptions about um, specifically the uh, the idea that Unai Emery established Saka or Smith Rowe into the team. I think there's these massive misconceptions um, about the establishment of some of the players that we say and we give credit to Unai Emery. Now, without a, de- without a doubt, Arsene Wenger and Unai Emery deserve credit for giving Saka and Nelson and um, Smith-Rowe and um, uh, who's the one I'm forgetting? Nketiah, uh, their debuts. He deserves, they deserve credit. Unai Emery and Wenger deserve credit for giving those players um, you know, their debuts. But suggestions that they established any of them in the Arsenal senior first team and in the starting 11 are not true. And when you go and you dig deeper into this and you dig into the numbers, you realize that you didn't. And I'll explain this to you in short for the Saka. For Saka is probably the biggest example of the misconception surrounding um, surrounding the, the whole situation about uh, whether Emery or, or Arteta established. Let me read you this. So in Saka, in the 17-18 season, um, so in the 18-19 season, when uh, Unai Emery had his, his campaign, Saka played one Premier League game, which was seven minutes, um, around seven minutes, which was a substitute appearance, got his Premier League debut under Unai Emery. We move into 1920, which is, of course, the season that Unai Emery got sacked in. And he was around for 13 Premier League games, um, Unai Emery. Now, he gave him plenty of opportunities in the Europa League because, as we are all very well know, the Europa League and the League Cup are typically known for giving youth players opportunities. In the Premier League, he started four games, Saka, uh, of those 13. He featured in six and he started four. Now, for me, if you're looking at where Saka was then established into the Arsenal first-team setup, that was down to Arteta. Arteta developed Saka into that player that became the starter, became the star that we know 
that he is today. And it's just, it's credit to Emery for giving him the debut, but suggestions that Arteta is not the one that established and developed Saka into the player that he is today and that he is so lucky. This is often what we hear. That Arteta is lucky that he stumbled upon some of these players. Another one you hear is that Emile Smith-Rowe saved Arteta's career. That's one I hear a lot. I hear that line a lot. Because if you remember that game against uh, Chelsea on Boxing Day where Smith-Rowe came in, who played fantastically well. Who is it who picked Smith-Rowe on that day? Who is it who decided that Joe Willock, who had been starting a lot of games that season, that instead, no. What I'm going to do is, as Mikel Arteta, I'm going to bring Smith-Rowe in for that starting eleven against Chelsea. Big call. Huge call. And, you know, he never looked back from that point. Also, people forget the debuts that, sat, uh, that Arteta sorry, has given to players as well. Can anyone guess the number of debuts to Highlanders Arteta has given? Let's just see if we can get a... Uh, while you're you're getting your votes into the chat box, can you guess the number of Highlanders? Uh, I don't want the names. I just want the numbers. So if you're typing out the names, I just want the numbers. See if you can guess how many Highlanders Arteta's given. And I'm talking about competitive, not friendlies, competitive debuts. How many has he given to, to Highlanders? See if you can get the number correct. Because I often feel like there is a misconception about this um as well but just while you're getting those votes in <laughs> some people are going way over uh <laughs> some of the comments honestly i couldn't quite believe what i was reading it was it was pretty incredible um it's a lot of it was around like pr or like i'm paid by arsenal which i i really wish i was really i could do with the money i need to save up for another uh, another deposit for a house i really could do with that money so arsenal you know <laughs> <laughs> I really do with that money. Um, and uh, I really don't think Arsenal would be too happy to pay me considering the amount of criticisms we have here. So we're getting these comments. Four, five, um, six, uh, two, says Carl. Five, says Chris. Two, and says zero. Joel says three. Martin says three. Um, I'm going to give you the right answer. MM says seven. Marcus says seven as well. Uh, Perez says seven. Um, any other sevens? Nell says seven. Um, it is indeed seven. Seven Hale End graduates. Now you've got to name them. Name me the seven people. Let's see you can get all seven Hale End graduates who have made their debut under, as competitive debut under Mikel Arteta. Can you, get, can you name all seven of the Hale End graduates in the four years that Arteta has been at Arsenal? Who are the seven Hale End graduates that have made their debuts, competitive debuts under uh, let's see if you're listening on catch up, play it in the car, play it with your friends. If you're listening, can you name them while well, we give you a chance to do that? Uh, Tom, thank you so much for the kind uh, donation. Tom Sabol says insomnia has me here live again at 3 a.m. It's only taken me three years of staring at the portals album behind you for me to listen to it. I liked it. I blame you, Tom. Cheers. For the <laughs> That's a sub focus album, by the way. Um, so I'm big drum and bass person, obviously, if you want to hear a, a better album than portals, his, his new album, Evolve, which is actually the the, the back to my phone, um, uh, is, is a far better album, I think, as well. Um, particular, the first song, Trip, is very good. Um, Off the Ground is my favourite song, perhaps of all time now, actually. So I check out Evolve is the newer album from, from last year. Right, let's see if we can name all seven debutants, shall we? I think we've got a winner. Um, Darren here. Ethan Nuneri, Carl Hine, Ben Cottrell, Miguel Aziz, Charlie Patino, Charles Sago Jr. and following 
Balogun. Uh, indeed, are the seven players um, that uh, Mikel Arteta has given competitive debuts to since his arrival at Arsenal as head coach. And then, of course, uh, as uh, as manager as well. And I think that maybe people forget this. Now, we have to talk about the facts. And I'm probably going to do a phone-in show on this, um, either this or, or next week. Probably next week, unless I get sparked into talking about it uh, later on today. Is that the suggestions that we see like Klopp at the weekend throw on a couple of kids in the Liverpool game. Now, that was used against the article quite a lot. And the reality was that Klopp only had two senior outfield players on the bench. He had Jota and Gravenberch. And then I think five youth players because they had like, no one else um, to to do it. So I, I really think that that gets completely taken into context. People talk about the number of kids that Pep Guardiola has given opportunities to. And, and Clive, as Clive does, because he's an absolute superstar, of course. Uh, Clive came into yesterday's uh, comments to to leave his thoughts um, on on the Manchester City angle on why Pep Guardiola has been able to to basically give so many. Um, he says, my only caveat is City are playing more young players. It's related to talent. City attract talent into a model that no one can compete with, which is the money bags emoji there. How that model is financed provides an unfair advantage. And is it fair to use the alleged 115 breaches City to compare to Arsenal? He continues by saying, from a young age, trust me on this, every coach will play talent if it's good enough to help him. Also, it's the coach's job to protect that talent. 10 years to build up these players and it could take 10 overexposed minutes to kill a player at the same time. And and Clive finishes by saying, City are taking players from Manchester United. Why is that happening? Investment into a model which has 12 clubs globally. How is that funded? How do they attract the best coaches and have the best infrastructure? They literally own every trophy as we speak. And it's so, so, so clear that using Man City is kind of a comparison as to youth promotion, really doesn't work. And and not only that, but if you look at the number of established youth graduates in that City team, despite all of their resources, despite all of the 12 clubs that form under the City Football Group, you've got Foden and Rico Lewis, at the moment Oscar Bob as well. And you look at Arsenal squads, and we're using more of our Haylenders at senior level at the moment right now on a more consistent basis over the last two to three years than City did. And I just think that this... Huge, massive misconception uh, about like Arteta and, and his use of youth. Could Arteta be better at using youth? Yes, sure. Could he have used Nuaneri or Souza or uh, Lewis Skelly? Not Lewis Skelly. Um, who's the other one? Walters, sorry. Against PSV in a dead rubber? Absolutely. Sure, he could have brought one of them on for five minutes. However, I think one thing I didn't realise and what Clive actually raised really well is that whole build up for 10 years, 10 minutes to end their career. And it's so true. Like a player's career can just disappear in a 10-minute sub cameo. If they underperform, if they don't do well, if they don't convince, then the manager has got to think about when next are they going to give that player an opportunity or should they give somebody else an opportunity. Not only that, but I'd also argue that Mikel Arteta has got more pressure on him to succeed than Pep and Klopp. They have huge pressure too. Don't get me wrong. But I think Mikel Arteta is a brand new coach in his first club, obviously, at Arsenal. The expectation on Arteta is even higher. And so if you're, if the expectation around you is that you've got to get Arsenal winning a trophy or you're sacked, are you really going to risk it all 
by throwing in a kid in one of these games, knowing that if you throw that kid in and you lose, that is going to be used as a stick to beat you with. And despite that, he's still, of course, managed to give seven Hailing graduates debuts at a competitive level in his four years at the club. And and some of the classic responses we've got, Ask Who here. Um, I don't know who asked you, but Ask Who says, uh, Arteta's lawyer. This is another one. The three I like the most is we've got the classics now. We've got conspiracy theories going around. So uh, you've got the, the Arsenal PR. You've got the Arsenal lawyer, which I quite like. I'd love to get paid the level that a lawyer does. It'd be great. Um, and then you've got the, uh, uh, what's the third one? Oh, you're paid. You're paid by Arsenal. Uh, they're the classic three. That's what you get. I love conspiracy theorists. They're great. But it's also, whenever you ask them to come on like a show, as I always say, it's like our motto here at this point. Whenever you ask them to come on to fight that corner, do they do it? Of course they don't. Of course they don't. Um, Benji says, Tom, I disagree a bit. Palmer, Bob, Delap, Lewis and Foden have had more minutes than our youngsters. Saka is the only homegrown talent we use for more than 12 minutes. Benji, let me ask you, why do you think that is? Why are Manchester City able to do that? Why are those players, Delap as well is, is a really poor example, but the other four, um, Palmer, um, Bob, Lewis and Foden, why do you think that Manchester City are able to and are doing and giving those minutes more so to those players. Let me let me know what you think. Uh, Gary says, does anyone else think Nuneri is ready for a game at left eight? I feel that we need a dynamic ball carrying centre mid, and I feel Nuneri can be that for us. And this is the thing, like, if you were to say in our next game, we've got Crystal Palace at home. There's a lot of question marks about that left eight position at the moment, about who should play there, what should we do with it. I hope that Partey is back soon. At the moment, I'd play Jorginho, Rice, and Erdegaard in the midfield three. But suggestions are that we throw Nuneri in. Just picture this scenario. We It's pining for Nuneri to come in and play. We start Rice, we start Nuneri, we start Odegaard. Nuneri has a terrible game, an awful game. Comes off at half-time because he's just been bodied and bullied and he's been he's just had a poor game because it can happen. All of that build-up, all that hype, all of that development and time and patience that we've given to Nuneri is now all of a sudden completely different. The, the talk around him is different. The evidence that we've got looking at a senior level is completely different. You have to manage the players in, in the right way. And if you don't have the ability to do that, like if you think about Man City, who for years and years have been so dominant, for Liverpool as well, been so dominant, can win games 3, 4, 5, 6, 0 at a canter, have not got issues that, that we have in terms of goal scoring right now. And they can win games and use these kids. That is... Is, is incredible. I mean, even throwing in the kids for the last 10, 15 minutes of a, of a Premier League game, if they have a really poor 10 to 15 minutes, again, in a game which, like the PSV game was a good example, because despite the fact that it was a non-competitive fixture, despite the fact there was nothing on the line for that PSV game other than money, the game was at 1-1. PSV were clearly gunning it for it to try and win it. We obviously wanted to try and win it as well. And if you throw a kid on in that environment, in that situation, against a, a PSV side that are gunning for it, that are doing everything they can to win it, because obviously they want to get the, the, the extra financial reward of winning that game, and of course the benefit that comes from a morale side of winning the game, you could kill a player in those 10 to 15 minutes at the same time. So whilst we look at the fact that, yeah, it was a... A bit of a dead roll. PSV, a very good side. Now, if you think about when Arteta gave those debuts previously, so you think about when Ben Cottrell came on and when Miguel Aziz came on, can anyone remember the game? Those two guys made their competitive debuts. Can anyone remember that game? Um, 
let's see if anyone in the chat box, if you're listening on catch up, you're shouting it, screaming it at your your Apple uh, CarPlay, or you're listening on your headphones. Who can who can remember the game that those two made their competitive debuts against? Um, it's quite a left field pick if you can remember. Um, Benji says Klopp and Pep have historically given players at least more than one appearance. Look at Quanza at Liverpool; he's in a similar situation to Reese. Really, I mean, to be fair to that, the, the the depth they've got at centre back is has been significantly lower. And who's to say that Quanza isn't significantly better than the kids that we've got right now? There's also something to be said about actually the level that they're at. Um, Temi, you're right. Dundalk. We gave those players their competitive debuts. Ben Cottrell and Miguel Aziz came on against Dundalk. Um, in that game where I think we were something like 2-0 up at the time, um, utterly coasting. The opposition side were very, very poor on the day. Um, I think Runnison was in goal for that game as well. I think I remember him making a mistake. Um, Balogun came on, Aziz came on. I think Balogun scored, potentially. Did Balogun score? He definitely had a chance in that game. He scored against Mulder on his debut. I don't know about the... the the, I can't remember the Dundalk game uh, in that final detail. I do remember him having a chance, a finesse shot on the left-hand side when the ball came across to him. But um, that was the type of environment. But if you're going in the Champions League, you're away to PSV. Is that the right type of environment? Now, you could argue the Lawns game at home. Remember the Lawns game? Uh, we were, I think, 5-0 up at halftime in that fixture. That is a category, for me, categorically, that is a game that Arteta could have used some of the kids for. Um, really, really good. On the bench that day, we had Nuneri, Lewis Skelly. Um, I think they were the only ones, kids-wise. They were indeed. So I think that you could have thrown them on in that game. Um, I don't know why he didn't in that specific fixture, but again, it might have come down to a protection thing. He made a substitution in the 82nd minute to bring on Enketia. Uh, He made a substitution in the 75th minute to bring on Jorginho for Rice. You could argue that that was a game for sure. And this is the thing. Zalteta can be better. This isn't to say that he's faultless about the youth side of things. But uh, I just think the suggestions that he doesn't give you for chance are rubbish at this stage. And I think certainly the evidence suggests that is the case. Um, Lexus says, Tom, I'm one of the people who thinks same as most, but will concede for the argument's sake that based on the stats you've just outlined, what if the fringe players not being used much and the overuse, of course, of Saka. So we've got into a situation now where we're obviously really over-reliant on some players in this team. And we need to add the depth in this squad in the future to be able to cope with that. I think adding a centre-forward will give us the depth at right wing as well, because I think Jesus can can drop into that role if you if you ever needed him to. Um, I think, obviously, in, in other areas like midfield, we're calling for, for reinforcement. That's the thing. We're all sitting here calling for... Arsenal to invest, it's going to suck. We're going to be really disappointed if Arsenal don't go out into the market and sign players. And yet at the same time, then Arteta's being criticised for not using the kids. I also think that we've got this, I saw a fantastic meme um, from our good friend of the show, um, Mike Hernandez, um, who put out a fantastic meme, uh, which I'm hopefully going to be able to to share with you. Let me see if I can. Uh, Here it is. Uh, I love this. This was great. If you, for those listening on audio platforms, you've got a picture of the scene. Behind, in the background, is a burning house, which is labelled first team can't kick the ball into the net. Out the front of that house is a, mo- is a lawn that's being mowed. The uh, person doing the mowing is an Arteta outer, and the lawnmower is play the children, <laughs> which I think is just genius. So fair play to Mike Hurts. I thought that was 
a fantastic meme um, that uh, is, going, is now hopefully going to get spread far and wide as well. Um, Yezzy says, hi, Tom, just joined. I wanted to ask last season, uh, we lost the league around this time. Um, did we? I don't think it was around this time. I think that we, I think the league started to fall away in April, May, end of March, April, May time, I think is when we started to, to see the league fall away. So no, I don't think uh, I'll carry on with your question though. Um, I fear that we might experience the same again this season. What do we need to change? The thing is with this season is I think the things that we are changing that cost us last season, sadly of, of, have been ripped away from us. So obviously we brought in Yuri and Timber in the summer and that signing was absolutely designed to be able to help us to cope with if we were to lose one of our defenders. The frustration is, is we've lost Yuri and Timber for like the majority of this season. And so that plan, that 38 million pounds worth of investment has sadly been ripped away from us. And because of that, unfortunately that what we one of those strategies we put in place that we designed to to change to, to to prevent the outcome of last season happening again has happened we need to put the ball in the back of the net that's the main thing that we're not doing right now is we need to put the ball in the back of the net and that's not necessarily to do with anything you can do in regards to signings because we're creating the chances at the end of the day i listened to the arsenal vision pod and i'm glad that clive highlighted the fact that Havertz had a, a good centre-forwards performance other than the fact he didn't score against Liverpool. Like everyone else in that field, no one could put the ball in the back of the net. No one could. And that is, that for me is is where we're at with, with, with Havertz. Is he needs to put the ball in the back of the net. Mike says, the more I listen to Tom, the more I feel that he's a fan of Arteta and not Arsenal. Well, if that were true, Mike, and you can scroll back down the timeline, you certainly wouldn't be having this guy doing a show after Villarreal saying, I think Arteta should probably go. And again, after we lost 5-0 to Manchester City, the Etihad in the 2021 20, uh, season, again, saying that Arteta should, uh, should oh, was it 2021? Was it 21-22? I think it was 21-22, wasn't it? Um, again, saying, I think he should probably go. Uh, we're objective here. We're grounded here. We criticise when I think there's worthy, things worthy of criticism. And we praise when I think there's worthy of praise. And we defend when I think there's things worthy of defence. And the thing is, Mike, is that you're, you're absolutely entitled to have your opinion. And that's fine. But what I always ask for, if, if the people that make accusations to come with the evidence to back it up, and very rarely, if ever, do we have the evidence. Now, Arteta actually changed my mind. Because after the VRL game, I didn't see a way forwards. I thought, I don't see how Arsenal can carry on. I really feel like any other club in that moment would change their manager in that moment. We didn't. And then after Man City losing 5-0 again, three games into the season, nine goals conceded, I don't see a way forwards. I don't see how Arteta can continue. And I'm so glad that the club didn't do that. And I'm so glad that the club ended up disagreeing with me and continue with Arteta because thank goodness that we did because it's taken us into a far better position than any of us could have imagined that we would have been in. And last season raised the expectations for us. Last season changed the way that we look at this club. And that is down to Arteta. Arteta made us change the way that we look at this club. So this season, we were expecting another really strong title challenge, a better title challenge than last season. I think that that was the plan. And I think that was the aim. The aim has got to be, and the aim certainly is from the Arsenal point of view, that we are aiming to win the league. And that's why we did things in the summer that we hoped would do it. Um, Nordinov says, last season, we underachieved. And this is the thing. There are some fans out there like Nordinov here that will never be happy because their expectations are different and they're entitled to have those different expectations. I don't think they can justify them, 
but they are entitled to have those opinions. So to say that last season we are we underachieved, despite the fact that the team that went on to win the league won the treble, run the treble in, in every competition, and it's been by far the best team in the world for the last half decade plus, and has had advantages that we have not had, despite the fact that exists, and that is the reality. Some fans like Nordenoff think that we underachieved. Now, in that sense, if you want to talk about the Europa League specifically, that's fine. Absolutely, I agree with you. We underachieved in the Europa League. No problem with that. No problem at all. Not a problem whatsoever. We didn't underachieve in the FA Cup because we were knocked out by uh, Manchester City, of course. Um, and in the League Cup, we were knocked out by Brighton. So you could argue that we underachieved in the League Cup um, and in the Europa League. Not an issue. But in terms of what we did overall in the context of the whole season, no doubt about it, we did we achieved more than than people were expecting. Um, so if you want to talk about those in isolation, for sure. I'll have, I've not got any qualms with you. But to say that Arsenal... But you didn't put that context in the initial comment. So to say that Arsenal underachieves is just a statement. We know is factually incorrect because the wider picture suggests that that didn't happen. Uh, Mike replies saying, uh, Tom, I was objective in giving Arteta or any manager fair time and resources. Arteta has been given four years and big funds. And so if he fails to win the Premier League this season, it's more than fair to sack him. Mike, tell me, who is your favourite for the league at the start of this season? Just just let me know who your favourite was. That's all I want to know. Who was your favourite to win the league this season? I'd, I'd love for you to tell me who it was. Um, thank you, The Hope That Kills, uh, who's dropped in a uh, super chat. Need to go to work. Tried to get on to discuss Arteta. Um, I, I think we're discussing Arteta right now. So I guess in some ways you've done it. So thank you <laughs> for your contribution. We are now certainly talking about Arteta. Uh, Chris, I think the main frustration for some fans is that Eddie and uh, Eddie Howe and Emery have taken less time to get to where they are now. Chris, remember it's um, remember it's it's January. We don't know where those teams are going to finish. We can make a judgment about where those teams finish at the end of the season. There's no doubt about it that Unai Emery and Eddie Howe are doing fantastic. Well, I mean, Eddie Howe is in a bit of bother right now, to be fair. He finished bottom of his Champions League group. He was on a really bad streak as well. And I think Eddie Howe is actually coming under a bit of pressure. It was my prediction at the start of the season. I'll put this out on Twitter. It's there. It's, it's catalogued that I thought Eddie Howe would get sacked this season. So let's see if that turns out to be true. But, you know, I think there is, is there's real potential that could happen but he's done a good job there's no doubt about that Uno Emery's doing a fantastic job at Villa um the difference between Uno Emery and Arteta is that Uno Emery went into an Aston Villa side that was just poorly managed um with uh Steven Gerrard not a, not a great coach at all but had existing players there that were exceptionally good um of an established level like Ollie Watkins for instance like Douglas Louise for instance uh, John McGinn who's done fantastic well of course as well um, and they've added to that some really strong players. And uh, at those types of clubs, he's got a history of doing fantastically well. Basically, if you've got Villa in the name, Unai Emery's going to do great. That's why he did well at Sevilla. That's why he did well at um, Villarreal. And that's why, sadly, when he moved to clubs like Arsenal and like PSG, it didn't work out because at that type of club, he struggled more. Um, but certainly, he deserves credit, Unai Emery, for what he's doing at Aston Villa. But it is January. So I guess, Chris, let's wait and see where Arsenal and Villa end up finishing. Um, let's see if Mike's replied with his favorite. He hasn't yet. We will await in really interesting. <laughs> we'll wait for it. Uh, Vanager, he says, uh, could Arteta be protecting Smith-Rowe in a similar way to Martinelli when he came back from injury? A lot of pundits and YouTubers were losing their heads over his game time. Um, present company excluded. Uh, thanks. <laughs> I, I, it's funny when, when Martinelli was not in the team, 
I remember going onto podcasts and things and on social media and people saying, Arteta hates Martinelli. Do you remember those times when Arteta is accused of hating Martinelli? I do. I remember that. And now I see comments like we get now, which is Arteta hates Smith Rowe. Uh, we often see those comments that Arteta apparently hates Smith Rowe. Um, he doesn't, by the way. <laughs> just, just to let you know, he doesn't hate Smith Rowe, just like he didn't hate Martinelli um, when he was still coming back from his injury. The, the fact of the matter is, is that Smith Rowe's contributions when he has played throughout the injury crises that he's had have been inconsistent. And so I think there's a lack of perhaps maybe trust that, that Smith Rowe can come in and deliver in the same way that he trusts Reese Nelson at the moment a bit more to come in and deliver than him. Now, he has to give him more chances, I think. He has to be a little bit more generous with the minutes that he's given to Smith Rowe, for sure. I think that is a fair ask of Arteta. But uh, I think there is a reason why we're seeing so little of it. Um, Lexus says Arteta deserves his credit, but he's making a lot of the same mistakes he's made in the previous years. Not much progress. He's overthinking things and it's backfired. When we say he's making a lot of the same mistakes he's made in previous years, and the next words after that are not much progress. When we say the previous years, he's been here four years. It took Arsenal from 11th when he took over to second in the table after three and a half seasons. This season, we remain very much in the title race. Yes, the position in the league is fourth with one point behind fifth, but we're five points behind first and we play Liverpool in three weeks' time. That could change everything. We don't know. We'll have to wait and see. And I'll make my judgments, of course, at the end of the season because I don't think there's any reason to jump to any conclusions in January um, like some people have. So I do disagree in the, the whole sense of like not much progress. Arteta has made outstanding levels of progress at Arsenal over these years and he proved me wrong and he's proven a lot of other people wrong as well uh, mike says uh, tom man city were my favorites and will remain for years to come but that doesn't hold back arteta and klopp from achieving their goals it's like 31 teams quitting the world cup as one team overwhelming favorite and look i thought that might be your answer and the reason why i say i asked you that question is because you said that if arteta doesn't win the league he should be sacked is what the previous comment was and yet your favorite at the start of the season was Manchester City. So your expectation is for Arteta to overachieve to keep his job. And I find that mad. I just think that's a mad way to look at somebody. It's like being in any position, in any job, and you're expected of something. Somebody in your field is has more resources. Let's say a, a different company. If you, you run a... Let's try and think of something different. Like Let's think of a restaurant, right? You've got one restaurant that is that's more backed, that's got more resources, that's got the best manager that has existed in modern times, that has got staff that have been invested in far more over a longer period of time and has started when you arrived at this different restaurant as manager in, in an absolute state. It was fractured. There were people in the, the restaurant that were members of staff that were really not happy being there. There were the little groups and cliques and it was just a fractured staff base. And not only that, but the restaurant that you're going up against is being investigated for 115 alleged breaches of financial whatever. Alleged, remember, that's a key word. And after three and a half years, you've taken that restaurant that you took over to a place where it is now finishing only behind this other place. In three and a half years, they're finishing only behind them, despite all of the, despite going against all of what they've got and all of the resources they've had and all of the quality they've got, only them. And your big bosses, the owners of that restaurant, turn to you and say, right, you've been here three and a half years. We know 
that everything is telling us that this other restaurant that has got all of these things going for them, they're the favourites to be best, the best restaurant in our town this year. And, and they've already won all of the awards of last year. But But if you don't beat them this year, despite taking us all the way to being only second to them, if you don't beat them this year, if you don't win the awards this year, we're going to sack you. Now, if I was that person, I'm just saying, I'd feel that's a pretty hard deal. <laughs> so, and if that's your opinion, Mike, that's fine. You're entitled to that opinion. I just can't get on board with it. I can't get into that space. And I don't think it is, I, I don't think it can be backed up. I love that Mike's in the chat and loves the fact I've used a restaurant as an analogy because every time he goes to London, he goes to the Canton restaurant, which is not mine. But there is a, a Chinese restaurant called Canton in Leicester Square, which he goes to every time and sends me a video of him being there. So I, I, I don't know why that analogy was the one I used, but I felt that it fit pretty, pretty darn well. Benji says, it's just being fair. It's not an impossible ask given the circumstances. Hey, look, it's not impossible. But if, you, <laughs> but if what we're saying then, Benji, is the expectation of Arteta is to do something which is not quite impossible, and if you don't do something that's not quite impossible, then we're going to sack you. Uh, especially when the options to replace him aren't exactly <laughs> the best, are they? Um, then, uh, then yeah, I think there's, uh, I think there's certainly problems uh, with that. So, so there you go. Um, <laughs> Bench says, to be fair, Tom, you can expect a little bit of an overachievement in certain positions. Man City don't have a hundred percent chance of the league. No, of course they don't. Of course, and when did I say that they did? I didn't. I didn't. But if you're expecting, if you, what, would, what did we say at the start of the season? The chances of Man City winning the league. I'd said they've won the, they've just won the treble. The Champions League winners, the league winners, the FA Cup winners. They've got the best manager in the world in charge. They've got the best striker in the world up top. They've got the best attacking midfielder in the world providing us, uh, providing for him. They've got the best depth of any team in the entire world. What was the percentage chance? of Man City winning the league this season. I would have probably probably would have gone 80, 80% chance Man City win it. I would have probably given us 10 and Liverpool 10 in terms of winning the league. Uh, maybe Liverpool slightly more because of the, the manager that they've got, of course, and and that and without Champions League football, of course, maybe that would have, have helped things because they can afford to rotate more in the in the Europa League. But I just think that if we finish outside the top three, I'm going to be very disappointed. Without a doubt, we would have underachieved. We would have underachieved. And then the, the classic reply to this is what Asu, thank you, Asu, for commenting this because you've completely um, shown everybody exactly what the, the perfect response is from typically people that don't agree with where I sit on this, which is I have never seen such a defeatist attitude. The alternative to this, the synonym to this that you often see is where are your standards? Raise your standards. Puff your chest out. Say it loud. Say it proud. Say it as it is. Where are your standards? That's often what you see coming back and the reality of the situation is this is not a defeatist attitude at all the reality of the situation is that this is the reality this is the objective this is where we want to go i want to i want to be supporting a club that has ambitions of winning the league that's where i'm at i want to if, if my club aren't aiming to win the title what's the point you know what, what's the point if we're not aiming to win everything what's the point that's what sport's about you've got to aim to win everything the thing is i know we've got a manager that wants to I know that we've got players that want to. I know that we've got a sporting director that wants to build of the club that can. And I know that we've got owners that are going to back the club with investment that can. And that is the aim. And that is what they're all trying to do. 
That is what they're aiming to do every single season. They are aiming to win. That is the number one prerogative. And there is not a single argument to suggest otherwise. There is not a single argument on this planet to argue that anyone in a managerial position that I've named in terms of Arteta, Edu, the players, or Josh Kroenke, to suggest that they don't want this club to win. There's just not. There is no longer an argument because the owners have put the money in. Edu has done a brilliant job and won 2023 Best Director and brought in and beaten Man City to the likes of Declan Rice, getting those deals done. And Arteta has taken us into a direction and has spoken very openly and, and honestly about his aims for this club. So, it's for me, it's so clear and obvious the way in which we are moving. Red Luddite still can't get out of the uh, the whole cronky, just want cash thing. That was about it's about five years out of date now, that, that point of view. Um, if you look at the amount of money they've invested, you know, it's, it's, it, and, and as Mike says, the argument about the Cronkies could have been made before 2018, for sure. You could have made that argument, but since they've taken full ownership of the club, the only direction that, that the ownership have gone in is spending and investing in this team, you know, and we would love to spend more. I think they'd love to spend more. I think they'd love to invest more, but the fact of the matter is that we have got restrictions in place at the moment that are stopping us from doing that. The question marks we have, the criticisms that I think are fair, the criticism that I think that we can ask questions because they're not infallible, they are not faultless. The questions that we can ask are certainly on the lines of, have we spent the money in the best way? And the answer to that right now is not perfectly. We've spent well in a lot of areas. We've spent really, really well on, on Ramsdale, on Tomiyasu, on White, on Saliba, on um on I believe Zinchenko is as, as, as hell. I know there's there's a jury out about him at the moment, but I personally think that he's been a good investment. Um Timber, I believe, will come good. Partey, Gabriel, um Odegaard, Rice, obviously. I even think Jorginho for 12 million has proven to be a, a shrewd bit of investment as well in that midfield. Uh obviously I think the depth of Trossard that he's brought into that that left hand side has been really good and of course the centre forward position. But then there's been there's been things that haven't been as good. You know, um the early days of Willian and Cedric and Marie, although I think that you can probably draw a line under those because they were right at the start of the uh of, of Arteta's regime. And then you look at more recently your Tavares, your Lacongas, your Fabio Vieira's, and of course now Kai Havertz is the new one. So it's not always been perfect, and that's what we need to be able to question. That's what we should question, and we should question whether or not that investment was correct. Um, that's what we absolutely should be able to question. And when it comes to the end of the season, if we finished outside the top three, I think we will be looking at that Kai Havertz transfer as one of the things that maybe we didn't get right. Well, certainly probably didn't get right, because we could have certainly put us in a better position by spending that money differently, depending on where we finish. So let's let's see where we do finish come the end of the season. Uh, Mike says, Tom, by your logic, Arteta should be here forever without Minute winning any major trophy because there are huge chances that there will be a team with better players and resources. Uh, Mike, you've not listened to what I've said, which, again, I'm trying to be as fair as I can. What I have said is that if your expectation of Arteta to avoid sacking him is that he has to win the league. Otherwise, this year he deserves to go. I think that's not, I don't think that's right. But at no point in any of what I've said, and remember everybody listening, you've been listening to the same show, the same words as Mike has. 
here different mic mike rays i should probably differentiate between mike and the gunas pod mike so they don't get confused um but mike rays says here i'm saying that arteta should be here forever without winning any major trophy no absolutely not absolutely not if arsenal are in a position where we are going backwards and we can categorically point towards the manager as the reason why we are going and regressing we're going further and further away from what our goal is you know at the end of the day there are restrictions now in place there are investigations going on for the alleged financial breaches that are going on at other clubs. And Arsenal should be moving in a direction to close that gap with Man City and trying to close that gap. It's very difficult, but that's the direction that we should be going in. Now, sometimes the train that you want to get on doesn't always go to the exact destination that you need to be at. But the best thing to do is to get on the train that is going as close to that destination as you want to get to. And I believe that right now we're on a train that's getting us as close to the destination of being league winners as we can be. I don't know if that train is going to take us straight there, but I do firmly believe that the train that we're on is taking us as in, in the right direction towards that destination. If we ever feel like that we're going on a different track and we're moving away from that, then that's when I can start to point the finger. That's when I can start to look at Arteta and say, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that we are moving in the right direction. You know, Or if there is a different train to jump on that would get us there more efficiently, better faster sure and if there's real strong evidence for that then i think there's an argument sometimes but if you're moving in the direction if you're moving in that space if you're moving towards that destination i think that there's there's not really too much anyone can argue against you for being on that train i really really don't um and that's where i sit so i I don't think I've ever said that he should be here forever. And I, Mike, I hope you've listened to those words and I hope that you've taken those in and I hope that you can see where I'm at with that. Arteta should not be here forever if he's not taken Arsenal towards our goal. It's as simple as that. I think that we are. I think we are going towards our goal and I think Arteta is taking us towards our goal. Um, do I give trolls and, and people too, many, too much oxygen? Maybe. I often use them to kind of refine my own debating skills, to be honest. Um, but uh, I don't mind a good old debate. I don't mind using facts and evidence to, to have those arguments. But yeah. Um, let's go to End Bad Politics, who, by the way, is one of the people that was tweeting me yesterday. So has, has agreed to come on the show next week, I think you said. So I'm looking forward to that chat. Um, so, so apart from Klopp and Pep, no other managers in the world that is better than Arteta. Perfect. Again, you've all been listening to the same show as N Bad Politics. Ironic name in the circumstances. Um, has been listening and, and that, that's the takeaway. Just remember that. You know, you've been listening to the same. And I'm sounding very James O'Brien right now on LBC. And that's because I listen to him a lot. But to use his phrase, you've been listening to the same section of podcasts and that's that's what some people have taken from it. I, there's sometimes it goes beyond what people can help. But I look forward to our conversation next week and about politics. I really do look forward to putting a face to the name on camera um, on one of our shows. It should be good fun. Uh, Rob Bob says, imagine the owners of the restaurant also invest multiple hundreds of millions in revamping staff, decor, uniforms, marketing, cutlery. I'm loving that we're going with the restaurant analogy now. I'm loving that we're running with this. A whole fridge full of food and then sack the manager. Again, yeah, you like you start from square one again, don't you? Got to bring a new, you got to bring new manager of the restaurant. And is he gonna? Are they gonna work with you know the what you've already invested in? It's a, it's a whole different dynamic, isn't it? Whole different dynamic. Um, Mike replies by saying that this season we fell off much earlier than last season, so there is a clear regression. Don't just remember that 
we're still very much in the title race. You know, we're only five points behind the first place right now. I think we're what three points behind Manchester. Are we three points behind Man City? Um, oh, we're on the same points as Man City, but they've got a game in hand. Okay, so we're at the moment we're on same points as Manchester City at this point. So, in capital letters, clear aggression from last season, despite the fact that we all agreed that last season was a we we overachieved last season. We did things that Mike and others really did never expected us to do. And sometimes you do that. Sometimes you do go further. You punch above your weight. You do more than what people expected to. So to match that again in successive seasons is really really difficult to do. You just need to be moving in that same direction. If you're the thing that we don't want to do is drop out the top four. Like we don't want to drop out of the Champions League qualification spots. We don't want to drop out of the conversation as being as a club that are capable of of achieving things. And I think you can certainly agree that you know Partey was available for the majority of last season. The investment that we've made into a key position in defence to try and help us tackle those problems has not been available for us. There's lots of outside factors, or not even outside, but inside factors that have contributed to our struggles this season. And not only that, but I take our players aren't scoring the goals. They're not delivering. They're not scoring the goals that our philosophy, our chances that we create under this system are creating. And Arteta can't be in that box and kick the ball in the back of the net. All he can do is continue to implement a strategy, a system, a philosophy that is creating 30 shots, 30 shots against West Ham, that's creating 18 shots against Liverpool. He can only do so much with the players that he has, and that's to create those chances, create those opportunities. And then he's got to hope that the players on the field kick them in the back of the net, which so far they've not done. I believe that we are underachieving in terms of that level, in terms of our finishing, our output. I don't think that we're achieving an expected level of what Arteta is capable of as a coach. I think that if we were actually finishing these chances, it would be more representative of what we deserve and where we deserve to be this season. And, and ultimately, I think the changes that we've made have enabled us to beat Man City this season, have enabled us to go to a better Liverpool side at Anfield and come away with a point in the league. You know, So... I think there are loads of things to be very, very uh, encouraged by. Asu says, um, simple question. Can we expect Liverpool's level of success? If yes, let's find out. Uh, let's find our own clock. Why not? I mean, sure. Give me the answer. Answer your own question. Tell me who that is. Who is it? If you're getting rid of Arteta, who are you bringing in? That's the answer. To, that's, that's the big question. That's the question I always want to be told is what is the train that's going to take us to that destination faster, better, more efficiently? Um, than what Arteta is. That's that's the that's the question that you've got to answer, I suppose. If you want to get rid, you've got to have solutions. It can't be enough to say, I just want to get rid. It's down to the club to find the right guy. No, you need to tell me. You know, you need to have those solutions. Uh, Sharky says, in your opinion, do you think that we need some grit players like a Vieira, Thierry, some players? Um, some people said that we're lightweight. I don't think we're lightweight at all. I think we're the most heavyweight we've ever been. You know, you look at our team now with the Gabriels and the Salibas and the Rices in there, even Havertz, you know. We're, I don't think we're lightweight at all. I think we've actually got some real grit in this team. So that's, that is, has got to be it. Uh, Viral says, all these clear aggression people are, um, are we out of the title race? Did you predict us to make top four last year before the season began? And it's a completely fair question as well. Um, Temi says, Tom, why is Havertz's performance against Liverpool receiving praise when it is reminiscent of a Yaya Sanogo? Probably, Temi, because you were watching a different game, I assume. Like, if you were comparing his performance to Yaya Sanogo, not A, is that only disrespectful disparaging to what the performance was, but I just don't think you watched the performance. I don't think you watched it at all. I mean, there's an article, if you want to go and read it on the Football.London website, that will educate you as to what that performance was. 
His movement was excellent. Um, his creation was really, really good. And sadly, he didn't receive the right passes in the right moments. Erdegaard played that pass behind him when he would have been through on Allison in goal. Saka didn't get the ball across to him when he was in miles of open space in the second half. So, Temi, I'd recommend... I'll leave you a link if you like. I'll put it right into the chat box right now for you. Let me just go onto my profile quickly. You can find it, TomCantonFootball.London, if you want to go over there. Um, but it's got lots of graphics, lots of pictures, lots of evidence. You know, we like evidence here. We like to reference things. You can go and give that a read about Havertz's performance um, on uh, the weekend against Liverpool. Uh, that should uh, it should give you a uh, an indication of what uh, he did. So go give that a read, Temi. And uh, I think you missed the game, so it will give you a good catch up on on what you missed. Um, Gary says, "I want Arteta to stay, but if he went, I'd probably go for Ruben Amorim." And then I'd ask the question, Gary, like, what is it about Amorim? that has has done enough? Has his work at Sporting done enough for you to suggest that he is the right guy to take Arsenal to a Premier League title? You know, so far he's taken them to a... Uh, he's taken them, I think, to a, a Portuguese League title in 2021. I think he won two Portuguese Cups. Um, and Sporting, of course, are one of the big three in, in Portugal. And I've obviously had some fantastic investment, I think. What is it about Amorim that you would say is the right choice um, going forwards. Uh, Are you all, sorry, says Nagelsmann's teams play exciting football. Nagelsmann was given the golden egg of German football, which as we all know is Bayern Munich. He lasted two years during that. um, Was it two years? Was it a full two years he managed to last at at Bayern Munich? He won one league title in 21-22. And uh, he won the the Super Cup. Didn't win the the Cup with Bayern Munich. Didn't win the, the, the Champions League either. I think he underachieved for the expectations of Bayern Munich. Uh, he took over from Hansi Flick, who, of course, did a brilliant job before moving on and doing a disastrous uh, job uh, in Germany uh, with the German um, title. But uh, I, is, is it for Bayern was what Nagelsmann did? Um, enough to convince me that, yeah, that's that's the guy that if he was to take over Arsenal, he'd do it. Because we've we've seen, you know, Unai Emery went to PSG. He won the league title there. Also lost the league title as well uh, at PSG to, to, I believe, Monaco. I want to say Monaco. Um, and uh, yeah, he won the league in 2017-18 and he was at PSG for how many years? Uh, between 16 and, and 18. So one season he won it, the other season he didn't. Um, Again, I'd argue as a PSG manager, you've probably underachieved by not winning the league both seasons. I just think that it's it's that thing about managers. If they're given the golden egg of that big club, are they taking them of, of a Bayern that's obviously dominant in Germany, of PSG that are dominant in, in France? Would Arteta have done more at Bayern than than Nagelsmann did? Would Arteta have done more with PSG than, than Emery did? I'd be intrigued, you know. I guess when Arteta one day does leave Arsenal, and that will happen, you know, that, that really, really will happen. Um, it's a weird thing to think about. I wonder who comes in after Arteta, but I wonder also where he goes. I wonder where Arteta goes to his next job. I'm curious about that. Anyway, I've just looked at the clock and we're doing this for an hour and 10 minutes. So I'm going to jump off because I'm going to be on Deluded Guna's channel in about 20 minutes. So if you've enjoyed this conversation, if you want to hear me have a chat with, with DG, uh, you're going to be able to see that. 
hear that depending on where you listen to it uh on deluded good i don't know if he's doing it live on youtube uh it'll be on youtube i imagine later if not i think it'll probably be on twitch or something um but i'll be with dg in um in just about just under 20 minutes time if he's doing it live so let me know have a fantastic day people enjoy yourself stay safe stay well and as always up the arsenal It's the 90-plus minute. All your mates around, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18-plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.